With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Are you ready for some hot, steamy conversation? <laughs> I don't know how steamy it is, but hot, yeah. <laughs> My mother and I had a fantastic relationship. This is Stephen, and I just want to share. Uh, yeah, I want to expound on that just quickly, because the real man. Good morning, and welcome to Coffee Talk. I'm Soy, host of the fastest growing online talk show, where we discuss real topics with real people in real situations. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. What a great morning it is. It's your girl, Soy, coming to you with more exciting, engaging, enlightening information about Ferguson. But before we get into that, before we get into discussing the latest and the greatest on Ferguson, before we get into allowing some residents from Ferguson to to talk, they are on the air and they are ready to share with you what the experiences have been right there in the moment at Ground Zero. So before we get into that, I want to first invite you to the show. I want to uh, make sure that you have your favorite morning beverage in your hand and you're ready for real talk, real topics right now. Don't forget that there is an app that's out and I would like you to download the app. I am trying to get 10,000 downloads to promote the show, so I'm looking for you. I'm counting on you to download the app, and it's actually a good tool to use. It allows you to take the show with you. You don't have to remember to dial in. You can just hit the app. The number is stored there. You can dial in or you can listen online. You can also send us notes on the show. If you're driving, there's a cool tool that I love on the app called Voice Notes and allow you to record your, your notes. And we'll get them right here on the air, and we can either read them or play them in your live voice. So how cool is that? Yeah, utilize that tool. The app is free. And, again, it's in your iTunes or Google Play Store under the show name Coffee Talk with Soy. All right. Getting into Fragile Ferguson. Fragile Ferguson because it is fragile. That city is is going through a a major crisis right now, and it's some it's a crisis that some of us are familiar with. You know, when I first heard, or when I first saw the, the news and they were displaying it, I, I thought about my own Ferguson's. I thought about, you know, myself being being exposed to, to cops or coming in contact with cops and, and how they behave toward me. So I can definitely empathize and sympathize with those who've had worse or negative experiences with the officers of the law who we have been taught to uh, look up to and respect. 
But let's get into talking about the show. Last week on the show, we had some great callers to call in, shared good information. It allowed us to collaborate and learn from each other. And one of the things that happened last week was a caller by the name of Donald. He called in, and he began to talk about an aspect, community, and the voting process that may not get a lot of light. So I want to allow Donald, he's on the air, I want to allow him to share on that thought that he had and, 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 and empower the people as to his perspective, as to um, how he sees the community. So let's get Donald on the line. Hey, Donald, how are you? I am wonderful, Soy. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I, I want to thank you again for dialing into the show last week and sharing those comments and and just sharing what you know with the listeners about your community experience. I really appreciate you doing that. Oh, it was an honor, certainly an honor. To be on your show, of course it was. <laughs> I'm going to have to pay for that, I know, I know. But, but, <laughs> but it's, it's good to have you back because you, the show, unfortunately the show ended, uh, a lot earlier than we anticipated, and you were getting off to a start. And I really want to allow you an opportunity to um, share that, that thought process with the audience. You, you talked about following the money, and I want to allow yeah. you the opportunity to begin uh, speaking on that and explaining what your concept was about following the money in the community. Of course. It, <coughs> excuse me. In, the, in, the, in politics... We tend to, we all know we have a voice, we need to vote, we need to exercise that vote so that we can elect politicians that serve our best interests. However, the best interest of politicians is to their big donors and to their, and those big donors are prize of major corporations and very rich people. So to give you an example, if you have, if you're in business and you're a consultant, for instance, and you have multiple clients, and one of your clients provides you 50, 60 percent of of your business, you're certainly going to make sure that you do nothing to ruin that relationship with that client. Well, politicians mm-hmm. think the same way. Um, their their loyalty is to those that those donors that are helping them get elected. Politicians, Barack Obama in in, in twenty twelve raised over a billion dollars. You don't win elections without money. Black people in America have been voting in sometimes larger numbers, smaller numbers, but we don't have an economic base or a, a donor base to draw from, so we're giving our vote these politicians and we're not empowering them or we're not gaining their loyalty to us in order to shape policies that benefit us. Mm. Lastly, my, my larger point was we spend our dollars with these very same corporations that support politicians that really don't have our best interest in hand at all. For instance, Walmart, um, 99% of Walmart's political donations goes to the Republican Party. 
the Koch brothers. Mm-hmm. We hear the Koch brothers, but the Koch brothers own Georgia Pacific. We're probably buying their paper goods, uh, paper towels, toilet paper, things of that mm-hmm. nature. We are consistently supporting corporations that mm-hmm. aren't doing anything for us. Follow the money. Wow, follow the money. Wow, follow the money. Follow the money. I get you, Donald. Thank you for that. I get you. Follow the money. And 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 what he's saying, folks, is that we are spending money um, with companies that are contributing toward laws and policies that we ultimately disagree with. So he is encouraging us to look into that. Look into the background of, of these companies that, that we invest in. And it's actually public information, believe it or not. It is public information. You can, um, the company is ALEC, A-L-E-C-U. You can look them up online, American Legislative Executive Commission, and you can look into, there, there's a list there of companies that, that support them. They um, recently, uh, I guess ever since the issue came out with Trayvon Martin, Companies have pulled away from it because they got they got so much public um, recognition, and so you, if you look on that list, you'll see companies that have have pulled away from them and are no longer supporting that company. And it actually have the date there that they pulled out, and surprisingly, it has the amount company has contributed. So that that's a really good thing. Look at Walmart was a company that was contributing to it. I think I looked at the list last night, and I saw that they had pulled pulled back sometime around 2012, uh, which is around the time the incident happened with Trayvon Martin. So check that out. And if there are companies, uh, you just need to know where your money is going. So if you're good with it, then you're good with it. But if you don't know, it's it's a good uh, site to visit so that you will know where companies are are investing their money, at least with this organization. So that's a good tool. So thanks for that, Donald. Thank you for that. So back to on the grounds of Ferguson and what's going on in, in the community. We have some other people here. The, the, the lines are, are like are blowing up, and I thank everyone for calling in. I thank you for listening. And for those who are in queue waiting to speak, we're going to get you on the air as, as, as efficiently and as quickly as we can. So I'm going to open up the mic now for uh, a husband and wife, a family who – who lives near Ferguson, and they want to share their experiences and, and what they've seen firsthand. So let's, let's allow them to uh, access to the mic. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for calling into the show. What's your name? Hey, my name is Jonathan Washington. Angela Washington. All right. Good morning, Jonathan. Angela, how you doing? Yeah, actually, we're doing pretty good. Okay. I, I understand that you have had some experiences in Ferguson. Actually, you live near Ferguson, right? Uh, I stay approximately uh, 10 minutes away from Ferguson, Missouri. Now, the, this issue with police brutality, is it just in that neighboring city, or is it actually in the city in which you live in as well? It's pretty much all surrounding from Ferguson. Uh, Ferguson just got the spotlight. Wow. Yeah, I believe that because, you know, I've had my own experiences with, with, with dealing with the police and their hostile attitude. I, when I actually saw that happen, I, I, I immediately zoomed back to times where I've been pulled over, you know, by, by a cop. And, it, and actually, it, it wasn't even a white cop, to be quite honest. It was a black cop. It was an African-American guy. Pulled me over, very nasty attitude, 
when he approaches the vehicle, he's very hostile. You know, your job is to observe uh, infraction of the law and to write a citation or write a ticket. Then that's what you do. All the attitude, all the posturing up and, and talking to you a certain kind of way. I've experienced that as an African-American woman. So I can imagine it being, you know, younger guys, you know, who are, who are being a little bit more intimidated by that, by that behavior. So tell me about um, your experience. Did you go down to the, to the place where this happened? Did you see it up close firsthand? When I went down uh, last week to get firsthand, basically what happened, um, and I took my son down and watched the police lined up on the streets of uh, West Florissant uh, while this action took place. Um, to see the officers with their uh, weapons drawn and aimed at the at the public was kind of difficult to watch. But um, we stayed around about 15, 20 minutes. And uh, after a while, you know, some local here started throwing bottles at the police officers, and they, they gave the command to mask, mask up. Um, once they did that, they just started shooting a little um, smoke, smoke bombs. And everybody was, I got hit by, by one of them, and my son, he got smoke all in his eyes and his face, and it was horrible. It was like I was some kind of war zone. Mm-hmm. Wow. So were you injured at all by that? Yeah, I got hit by one of the little pellets, um, I guess the canisters, I guess, they shoot at people, and it left a bruise on my back, and it's and it still hurting right now as we speak, but um, I'm getting over it, so I don't know how to go forward to a, I'm not even bothered going to the police station to um, tell them about it, but uh, I guess that was a lesson learned firsthand. What other lessons have you learned firsthand from this, Jonathan? You know, I thought about the Martin Luther King days where they was rioting and stuff like that, and I kind of almost got that feel of what they was going through. Mm-hmm. Minus the dogs and the water water hoses and stuff like that, um, just looking at the uh, how the police really feel about us for real, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's basically what I got out of the whole um, situation. So you were out there on the streets, shoulder to shoulder, with these other people who were um, actually exercising their rights of, of speech, and you said it was like a war zone, like a war zone. Mm-hmm. Correctly, correct, mm-hmm. correct. Mm-hmm. You know, we were trying to allow our son to experience what it's um, what it felt like to be part of history because this is a part of history, and um, to see what it's like to be a part of a peaceful protest. He actually did not get that opportunity. Uh, by the time him and Jonathan entered onto West Florida, um, my son described as uh, light was beaming in his face. Um, he, all he could see were uh, was smoke, uh, officers with their guns drawn, and basically telling you to. So uh, it really wasn't a positive experience for him. And that, you know, unfortunately, you know, I feel that, you know, his right to a peaceful protest was violated. And so do you feel that it was violated because, of the police behavior, or was it violated because of the actions of the protesters who, what Jonathan observed, kind of initiated the police taking taking forceful action? Is that right, Jonathan? That's, that's correct. Yeah, okay. So in, in that case, um, it was a violation from both sides because you do have, and, and that seems to be 
the problem in this situation. You have peaceful protesters, and you really see that on the news. Uh, they sensationalize um, the – it's just a handful of violators. Um, but we have hundreds of uh, clergymen out there, hundreds of uh, peaceful protesters. But um, when everyone is not following the rules, then it, it does violate a person like my son or even if I was to go down there, rights to a peaceful protest. So I would blame both sides in this case. I actually did see that. Uh, there was some news coverage that did show, you know, um, a different perspective. And then we, we have been hearing that what we're saying is very skewed. It's, it's just a small portion. There's a lot more going on than, than what the media uh, allows us to see. And actually, I was watching the news uh, this morning and last night, and they were talking about the the, the arguments about the what the media had access to. So they're still you know, going back and forth with, with how they feel about what they had access to and, and feel like they didn't have rights to information. And so uh, in that, that, there are people saying that there were, I mean, it was a lot of white people out there that I was, I really wasn't surprised because, you know, all white people aren't bad. Uh, and it's mm-hmm. like all police officers aren't bad. But, you know, mm-hmm. the, unfortunately, the situation has, has come to a head and, you know, it's time that, that something's done about it. So. I, I pray that there, you know, and then I hope that that there's a, a good outcome of this and, and that it does change, you know, for if it doesn't change the rest of the world, it, you know, maybe it will change the way that the policemen are, that they behave in, in Ferguson. Well, I, you know what, I'm going to jump in on that. I don't think anything about this is going to change the police officer's perspective. It just put a light on them right now, a spotlight on them is going to calm them down. Okay, but then after everything is said and done, they're going to go right back to where they were, okay? And it might even get worse than it is then. Um, it's just a wake-up call for the police officers. Be careful or, or send a statement. We have made a statement now. People looking at us as well as the black people or whatever protesting for this young man's uh, death, they're also making a statement. Okay, you see what we're going to do to you if you uh, look like you're going to do anything to us. Uh-huh. We're going to kill you, you know. So it's a statement for them as well. That's what I think. You know, I, I'm from I'm from Washington, D.C., and I was talking to a girlfriend of mine earlier this week, and we were talking about this situation. And I reminded her, I said, you remember when the police were acting like that in D.C.? They were just out of control and the and this was right around the time when all the drugs had hit, you know, in the 80s, when all the kind of the crack cocaine and all the drugs were just infesting the neighborhoods really, really bad. It was around that time frame. And so they were, most of the cops were, were white at that time. And they were, you know, just antagonizing every, you know, African-American uh, teenager or young adult they saw who fit the profile of a person who would sell drugs. And they were just pulling them over. If you drove a nice car, you got pulled over and just really harassing them. And, and these citizens, you know, had begun to fight back. It, 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 was, it was so bad that they were just, in one situation, a cop was sitting at a light and someone just shot him. Mm. So it was a war back on the officers. Mm. And they, at that point, they had created a new law that all the officers 
would drive around with their with their um, lighting going. Even though the siren wasn't going, the lighting would, would be flashing, you know, uh-huh. to to bring awareness. There was a police officer. They, that law is still there. They still drive around and do that. But you know what? They don't treat the people like that anymore. No. So change did uh, happen. Yeah, yeah, change, change did happen. And then and, and the police force is diverse now. You know, sometimes I go home and I see cops riding with the school. Hey, you know, you know and, and, and it's a different kind of relationship now. So it, it, it did change, but, but, but they were killing the cops. They, they, they were. And, and, and is that the right way to handle things? No, but, you know, sometimes things just get... Like you said, it just it, it exposes things, and it, sometimes it does get worse before it, got, it gets better. But mm-hmm. maybe that was the worst aspect of it. But it, it did change the the behavior of of the, of the cops, and it did create a diverse um, police organization there now. Mm-hmm. And I believe they're trying the same efforts here. Uh, they're going to uh, they're talking about reforming uh, a lot of the St. Louis County Police out, uh, the uh, departments to be more diverse. Uh, they're planning on um, training more um, ethnic groups, such as uh, you know female um, females, um, African American males. Um, <clears throat> they found from what I've heard and um, saw from a, a news broadcast was that um, the African American male does not trust the, the police. So this is normally not an occupation that they choose to go into. So first they have to rebuild the relationship between the African-American male and the uh, police in St. Louis County. Um, because there is, a, there is a division here of, um, you know, basically they harass you. They're, they're profiling. Uh, that happens all the time. I have three uh, black males, mm-hmm. and each one of them can give you their own story right from my oldest to my youngest. Uh, my son has dreads. My oldest son has dreads. He stopped all the time. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. I have another son that, you know, if he's just walking along the street and they uh, pull you over and say, hey, look, we, we, get, we received a call that a robbery was in process. What's your name? Uh, you know, just, just wow. all of that. Uh, our youngest son, although we stay in a community that's diverse, um, I actually chose to move from, because I have a home in Jennings, Missouri, which is no more than one block away from uh, the unresting force um, okay. in Ferguson. And, mm-hmm. But once he became school age, I was, high school age, I mean, uh, we decided to move no more than what? What is this, 20 minutes down the street? Yeah, 20 minutes. And I was hoping because, uh, you know, maybe we put put him in a different environment, he can experience different things. But even out here, since the Trevion Martin um, situation, I had to school him on how to walk down the street. Yeah. A hoodie was, no, you can't wear your hoodies. Um, mm-hmm. Don't even run down the street. You know, if an officer comes and um, uh, asks you a question, listen. You know, don't resist. I mean, these are the type of things that we have to prepare our young men for. So that could also be why there is such a um, a division between the the young black male and the the cop. Because as parents, we have to prepare our church. But then I think in the, in the same sense, uh, there could be some a sense of fear or untrust when it comes to these officers. But I believe this is something that has been going on way before first. 
Yeah, and it's finally hit the forefront. Well, I, I thank you. I thank you both for calling in. I thank you both for sharing that. I appreciate that. And uh, let's hope for change, right, Jonathan? <laughs> hey, we're gonna get changed somehow. So, uh, like I say, I hope some change as well. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to voice our opinion on the situation that's going going on in Ferguson. <laughs> uh, and I asked my son. I said, "What is one thing that you would say uh, if you were on the air?" And he said. I'll just tell everybody to chill out. <laughs> well, we will definitely put that out there. Chill out. Okay. <laughs> chill out from the voices of babes, right? From the mouths of babes. And that's a 15-year-old uh, suggesting chill out. I, I have some information here or, or a, a recording here from elementary school-age children talking about how this is affecting them, how the riot is affecting them, how they can't sleep at night, and what their parents are doing to help them cope with this situation. We do have to look at how this is affecting the kids. But before we do that, I'd like to give give the mic over to Richard Bowden. He is a host of a TV show here in Atlanta called The City. We'd like to get Richard on the air, and he have comments. Good morning, Richard. How are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. Thank you, Soy. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm wonderful. Thanks, thanks for being so patient. We're, we're trying to get all the all the calls here, and I, and I have about a minute to give you if you want to share um, your insight on this. And, and, and let me tell you, Richard is profound. I've had opportunity to be on the show. He's a great host. He has great dialogue. He's definitely a man of God, and he has a lot of affiliations with interviewing people and talking about community issues, and I'd like to give him an opportunity to um, share some comments. Thank you so much, So I don't know a, a, a minute. Uh, I'm a former peace officer. I'm, I'm a journalist, as you said, uh, and, 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 a, and a reverend. So I look at it kind of from a variety of perspectives. Police officers are made up of uh, a microcosm of society. And uh, you have good ones, you have bad ones. Uh, these guys, it seems like in, in Ferguson, were uh, ill-trained or, or they have the same training or lack of training that a lot of police officers have uh, in, in the majority of cities in, in the United States. The problem is, is that, and the, and the young lady put it appropriately, is it just like you would not train uh, you know, your, your kid to they have certain behavior patterns in their household. They know mm-hmm. if they say certain things to you, what's going to happen to them. It's the same thing we have to do mm-hmm. uh, with our young black males because, as I was mentioning to you last night, uh, uh, Ted Koppel had a show on years ago, and a black journalist who was Yale uh, or Harvard-educated, I forget which one, said to Ted Koppel, he said, I can go home and, and get stopped by a cop, and depending on that cop's demeanor, I might not make it home. So we live in a we live in a country that still has racism at its very very core, and for us to forget about that is naive and idiotic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when an individual has an opportunity, not only to protect and to serve, but to take your life, we 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 uh, and and this is not something that just happened. I mean, the Rodney Kings, the situation in yeah. New York with the Choco, yeah. the the guy getting shot in the in the, in the hallway twenty some odd times. Uh, you know, uh, Michael uh, uh, Brown. This this is something that happens every day. It's the advent of social media now that's just putting a spotlight on it. And these guys yeah. are going around in military military equipment, ill trained. How do you shoot just randomly in a crowd because you got hit with a bottle of water and you got riot gear? 
That's that's idiotic. How do, how, 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 what what can our community do, Richard? What 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 advice would you give to well, our well, communities in terms well, of dealing well, with this? What we need to do is is rally. What we need to do is okay. make sure that we people like you that we stay on the forefront and we tell people racism is not dead in America. It is something we need to talk about. We don't need to sweep it under the rug. We've done that for for all, you know for 200 years. We need to have this dialogue. We need to put people on front street. We need to keep this thing going. We need to say, okay, use of force was excessive here or was it? But let's investigate. We just need to keep a spotlight on the situation. When the next best, uh, biggest news cycle comes around and the next big story comes around, we have a tendency to forget that our youth are being shot down in the street on yeah. a regular, consistent mm-hmm. basis. So we need to just keep a spotlight on the situation, Sorry, I think. Well, thank you, Richard. That's, thank that's, thank you for sharing that, and, and thank you for calling in. And and let me share this information about the children and how this is affecting the kids. Hi, my name is Louisa Wood, and I'm eight years old. My name is Irene Kent, and I'm nine years old. These are Ferguson's children. When it first started, I did hear a couple of gunshots and a lot of helicopters. And I just can't deal with it. They need to stop doing it. I'm just mostly mad about all this. It's just plain wrong to let this happen. Children caught in chaos. Eight-year-old Aurelius Woods just wants to go back to school. What's happening in Ferguson scares him, especially at night. I'm scared that they're going to come into our house and try to get us. The looters and all them people. At night time, I try to just comfort him and not let him watch the news because that's when he seems to be more afraid. Their mothers have been protesting. Larevious and Irene joined them during the day. I'm standing up for what I think is right. We've tried to explain to Irene that cops are people too. They're good people and they're bad people. He wants to know why we can't go back to school and why are everybody breaking into stores and why is the street always blocked off at nighttime. But they don't have all the answers. He already knows that, you know, a cop shot a kid, but he wants to know why. And I can't really explain to him why because I don't know why either. Is the mindset of the children. They're living in fear. They are afraid and they want this to stop. So we have to educate our kids talk with them, uh, try to explain to them what's going on. We had another caller on the line who wanted to share how he's had to talk to his, his son about it because his son has witnessed it happen to him where the police had pulled, stopped him and, and, and threw him on the ground and did all that in front of his kid, and he had to explain that to them. So our, our kids are in fear. The kids in Ferguson are in fear. They're ready to get back to school. So, let, so let's, let's keep them and, and keep them in mind and, and be cognizant of what they see and educate them because we don't want another generation going up in fear. So let, let's try and deal with that and be proactive about it. Thank you, Richard. Thank you, Donald. Thank you, Jonathan and Angela, for calling in and sharing. We really appreciate that. And we want to keep this on the forefront because we need to fight for our communities. We need to fight back. Think black. Have a great week. Visit the website, www.coffeetalkwithstory.com. If you've missed the show, it's always available. If you download the app, it's there in the library. You can go back and check it out. Give us feedback and comments. Become our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter. Have a great week. Community leaders, stand up. Let's fight back.
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.